This is Kevin Evans with the chapter by chapter live class at Crossroads Assembly of God in Greenville. And we are in the chapter four of Acts. And we got the first half of Acts last week and we stopped, uh, excuse me, at the end of verse 22. And we'll be picking it up at verse 23. And uh, at this point, uh, Luke, the writer of Acts, is recording uh, the events of, that, that happened after Christ's ascension and as the church is growing and expanding out. And he is recording the, it, it, the book is called The Acts of the Apostles, although some have suggested that it should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit, which is fair. Um, and at this point, uh, Peter and John have... Um, been preaching in the temple in a particular portico and we, we had a map last week of this complex that it's Herod's temple which yeah. is basically these big covered awning areas that can handle thousands of people that are literally around the temple so they're they're preaching outside the temple but within the temple complex and uh, the, the, the Sadducees, the, the Sanhedrin, the, the rulers of the uh, temple have warned them not to do this. And they said, no, and nothing happened. And they, and they, they walked on and went on with it. So the Holy Spirit is uh, greatly influencing all the apostles as they speak. And their numbers are growing. And they are accusing the uh, Sanhedrin of killing Jesus because, you know, they did. There's that. Sure. So uh, that's kind of where we were. Uh, and so they, they, uh, they kind of threatened them and they moved away. So we, we ended on number 23. We're going to read verses 23 through 31 and uh, unpack that and then hopefully finish up this chapter. Um, and, uh, and I'm ready for chapter 5 just in case we get there. <laughs> Because that's a fun chapter right there. Yes, sir. Looking forward to that. Yeah, we're going to get to five. All right. Verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, sovereign Lord. They said, you made the heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant. Uh, our father David. And then they quote Psalms. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against the holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Luke wasn't there, and he had a very, very verbatim uh, uh, recitation of their prayer. I think that's interesting. You don't, you don't think he was anywhere close when he was writing this book? No, not to that event. But he's also writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit, so I'm not going to deny that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. No, no, no. I do like the way that in verse 30 is, I like it where it says, by the name of the holy child, Jesus. I have holy servant, Jesus. Mine it says holy child, Jesus. <sighs> I just thought I'd share that. For all those people that are unfamiliar with Bill and his magic Bible. <laughs> uh, he's a little, he's a few years out of date, about 600. And, uh, you know, the, the true Bible you need to be studying from is the NIV. I just, I just feel like I need to say that. <coughs> Don't speak to Clayton. He, 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 he's, he's very deluded about this. So. New American Standard gives that word America. Because uh, it's not America. <laughs> King James Version has King. 
Yeah, Tinsdale on this one, Bill. I, I've got uh, Holy Spirit has spoke. Why, why would it be child? The name of your holy servant, Jesus, makes a lot more sense than child Jesus. He wasn't a child when he said it. Bruce's translation says servant. Yeah, agrees with me for once. That's nice. I agree yeah. you okay. But you gotta watch the Greek people. <laughs> you <sleep>. do. <laughs> yeah, they're sleep. So, so they managed to escape the Sanhedrin because the people are breathing down the Sanhedrin's necks, and they thumb their nose and go home and they pray, and then the Holy Spirit pours out His uh, 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 blessing upon them, and they start speaking in power. And not only that, but there seems to have been an earthquake. Have you ever been in a service and there was an earthquake? Because I'm guessing some, no. you have an interesting story. Okay. He always has really I interesting have, stories. I have one about smoke. Smoke? Oh, do tell. No, I don't want to make light of it. It was the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm not making light of anything. The time that my wife and I... And we had helpers who were dealing with somebody who was demon-possessed. And we had been, we had been, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but we, you know, it's good if you don't deal with it, just you, yourself, and your wife. You need others behind you. Sure. The prayer support and whatever. And so... Uh, we had a couple from our church that were very much with us, and we just excused ourselves because we were doing it at our house in the living room mm -hmm. and said, we're going to go in the bedroom and just pray, and we'll be back out. And it was my very first time having to deal with somebody demon-possessed, okay? And so we joined hands and prayed in our bedroom, and said, Father, we need you to show up, you know, give us discernment, insight. And when we said amen and opened our eyes, our room was filled with blue smoke. Now, I don't know how that would affect you, but I was ready to kick the door down <laughs> and go get him. It's like saying, sick him to the dog. You know what I'm saying? Because he tangibly showed up with blue smoke that had a fragrant smell to it. And out we went, and in 45 minutes, the young man was set free after being in a state home, you know, wow. out of his mind. Wow. And he served the Lord the rest of the days of his life. Blue smoke. So I didn't have an earthquake. Okay. I've been in an earthquake. <laughs> Jim's always outdoing me with his story. I know. He's <laughs> always got one better than me. I was me. in the hotel room with my brother jumping on the hotel room. Jim always has a better story than me. Yep. No, right. I insist that you tell your better story. That's a lot. Okay, so uh, the Holy Spirit pours out upon them, and they are the, the church is growing, and they are moving out, and it seems that the Sanhedrin... Are, have no way of stopping this. They are ignoring all of the civic authority and they're following the, the, the leadership of God and it seems to be they're, they're being successful. Mm -hmm. Okay, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, uh, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Can you imagine if they did things like that today? You wouldn't have all this. I don't think you'd have all the needy people you have if, if all the churches were doing something like this today. Amen. 
I think people are doing stuff like this today, respectfully, oh, yeah. no, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you know, like Potter's Touch, I mean Potter's House. Sure. Uh, I'm involved in a lot of stuff like that. Uh, there are all kinds of organizations, and I've seen, you know, just personally, I've Samaritan seen really Wars. large donations made anonymously to a church, uh, you know, and, and I, I think the point is not to attract attention to yourself, it's to support yeah. God's work, and, and I think I think if we don't support God's work, God's going to support his own work. I mean, it's going to happen, you know. It's just whether or not we get on board. And, uh, and I do think this kind of stuff happens. Uh, Luke points out to us this one particular fellow, Barnabas, who we're going to see later because he's going to team up with Paul and become a pretty profound evangelist. Uh, but he's from Cyprus. He's from out of town. And he's a Levite. He's of the priestly caste. So we have this kind of a priestly fella coming into the church service from out of town. And he makes this big donation to their cause after selling his own land. It doesn't say anything more than that. But if I were scripting this movie, how do you think people responded to Barnabas? Because he made a public donation. He just gave you money. Yeah. Don't you like the guy that gave you money? You probably say, where did the money come from? Well, he sold property. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, this, I think this gave him a little social kick. You know, uh, this made him look like a, 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 a good person. I think he may have had a little bit of status among the leadership in this church just because of this, this, this paragraph or because Luke tells us before that people are doing this, and then he gives us a specific example. There's a reason he gave us the specific example. But wouldn't it have been better if he had done it anonymously? Right. I. Because you don't do correct. you don't give to be seen to give. That's what God. I said. think so, but I'm not sure that Barnabas was. I don't think his intentions were wrong. I think that passage is set up for the next passage. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think yeah. it should be. We're totally going the there. The same chapter. And, and I think chapter 5 should begin in verse 32. It I really should. <laughs> because it, it's, it's the setup for, for what we're the about Bill, to see. Bill's Bible people, I think, messed up on the numbering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> should large donations be made anonymously? I think so. trying to give to be seen for what they do. So that's why I think if you, in this day and age, if you're going to give a huge donation, it would be better to give it for you as the person, between you and God, to give it anonymously because then you don't have people saying, well, look at what he did just so that he could be seen as something. Well, I, mean, I, I agree with that, but there also comes a time people are going to think what they're going to think. If you worry about what people think, it's going to control your life. And I don't know, like, uh, uh, what's his name? Both Matthew and Zacchaeus, they agreed to give stuff back after the tax. Maybe that was public, but I think yeah. that was also, you know, to show their change in their life too. Sometimes giving inspires other people to give. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is this is a different chapter. Now, this is the first uh, Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, verse fourteen and fifteen, where King David says to the Lord, "You know, what is what can I give you that which has already belonged to you, my King? You know what I mean? So it kind of gives you the insight of." Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very powerful, powerful verse. Because apparently, as opposed to what happens in the next chapter, God was okay with what Barnabas did because Barnabas didn't die. Yes. <laughs> the next people. I don't want to get okay. That's right. <laughs> They're not so good. Well, and that's in in chapter five is why I, what I am inferring something happened with Barnabas. I think there was a reason that there that Ananias and Sapphira lie. It's because they're trying to gain social status. Uh, and 
If anybody wants to give a good donation to me, you can do it anonymous, you can do it public, I'll support it. Oh, you'll take it any way you get it. Okay. <laughs> Boom. I understand. <laughs> and I don't see the checks coming. <laughs> okay. Chapter five. So are we ready for chapter five, the good stuff? We did make it. All right, all right. I have notes, so you can keep up with me. I just have more. Thank you. All right. So it seems that there was this couple in the early church that is meeting in the temple with this rapidly growing group of people. And Barnabas, I'm assuming, makes this rather public donation. And, uh, and, and, and they think, oh, well, that made him look cool. And so because they are trendy, yuppie, upward-bound people, they have decided that they want to uh, get in on the trend and be, you know, cool too. That's not exactly what they did, though. But that's what their hearts were. Well, that was gospel according to Kevin. What did they do? They actually sold it for so much money and then kept back part of it and then lied to them. Oh, we're getting there. But I think that's their motivation. I mean, the, the whole point is not to support the church so much as they're trying to get something out of it. Yeah. yeah. They're looking for a bargain. I guess. So, uh, chapter 5, uh, 1 through 11, in the NIV, God's Bible. Uh, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. He kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias... How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, was it the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. He didn't even... Didn't even, yeah, he didn't even respond. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. I'd be scared. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up, their wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. That was quick. About three hours later, and her, wife, her husband is buried three hours later. This, this is fast. Uh, about three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she says, that is the price. Peter said, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and Finding her dead, went, oh my goodness, this again, and carried her out and buried her beside her husband, because they were already tired from all the digging the first time. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about those events. Would you do that today? Yes. <laughs> I actually feel sorry for the wives because back in that day, the wives were, they had to do what they were ordered to do by their husbands. So she was only doing what she was ordered by her husband. I think she was in. That's, like, that's like the great female get out of jail free card. No. No. I think so too. I could have spoken up and yeah. told the truth. Yeah. It was a heart issue. You yeah. know, obviously from both sides. I'm going to quit going to that church. They kill people. They do. I would, I would think twice about the next service. I really would. We'll go to church where they don't die. Whoa. If ever you needed to give a gift to none there you go. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like that song about the church with the snakes in the church. Yeah. Um, were they part of the original? Uh, what, hundred twenty or number of maybe that they, they knew that they knew what they knew. They're certainly early on. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Also, I'm just wondering on verse three. Is Peter speaking a little bit out of experience? Uh, maybe so. Yeah, we like arguments from silence. Because uh, there's no one to argue with me. 
<laughs> the sad thing is that that leader was right. I mean, he could have. They could have sold the land and then only wanted to give this much to, to as a donation and kept the rest of it. It was their choice, but somebody so like to see the, the point. Like you said, it, does this strike anybody as being a little unfair? No, I mean, he's had a chance to say anything. It's just a hey, this is money. I'm it's insinuating to the people that it's all. He didn't necessarily say it was all of it. And and yeah. I think that and it's not the gift. It's every commentator I read said uh, it's about the lie yeah. because he said this is everything. It's not. He could have just given you know, this is a part of the money, and that would be that would have been fine. I mean, yeah. Think I've ever lied to the church. Never lied in church. Never. To the church. Oh, a lot of my brothers regularly, but you know. there's a lot of preachers I've dealt with that lied to the church and they're not dead. Uh. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, this seems really extreme for what happened because you and I both can give a long list of corrupt ministers that have gone on for years and years and years. Continuing in their corruption. Mega church uh, how, how is it that they're not buried out back? That's where I'm going. There's an argument for silence here. That there is something. These argument for silence. Okay. That there is something really wrong with these two people. They're, they're going to corrupt the church in a, an attitude, an atmosphere, or something that's going to, and God has stopped it. That's from silence. I agree. Yeah. I also I, firmly believe that all lies eventually will come to the surface. Your sins will eventually find you out. You may be lucky enough to die before everybody figures out everything that you did, but even later, they're going to figure out what you did. Yeah. And so I think that even if they were not punished, this would eventually come out that they did not give all the money and they said that they gave all of the money. And if nothing happens, then what is the message to the early church? It is that there's no, there's no uh, um, consequences yeah. and uh, you, um, can, you can lie to God and get away with it. I have two scriptures here that mine goes to. I can't pronounce the word, but it says Paris, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y, whatever you say that word. But anyway, it uh, gives two scriptures. In Ecclesiastes 5.13, there's a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. And then Matthew 26.7, the woman came having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat in meat, at meat, but when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? So, and, and how, how would you pronounce that word? P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y. Parsimony? Parsimony. Parsonic? Parsimony? I don't know. Um, one of my common, common, uh, commentaries by Horton uh, listed 1 Timothy 6 that basically says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which is that's how that pronounces, uh, interprets that. And basically Horton's uh, point is that when you become enthralled with money and in the American culture that's easy to do, I think we worship money, we do. And uh, that becomes 
your idol when you start serving money over God. You make your decisions about the money before you think about God. And oh my goodness, I've been there when I've, you know, I, I did my books yesterday, you know, and you kind of go, do you really want to pay tithe? It's, this is a tight month. Anyway, but you know, God should come first, uh, not money. And when you worship money and you embrace that, then all other sins become easily opened to you, according to Horton. Uh, it becomes easy to lie to get money. Um, <laughs> I had a business a couple of decades ago uh, that uh, I eventually declared bankruptcy. I was went out of business over two years, and it, I, I fought to hold it together with everything I had. I learned to lie like a champ. I lied to distributors. I lied to customers. You know, I, I didn't know if the shipment was coming in, but I might be able to make it come in by six o'clock, and then we might pay off the bill before it comes in. You know. Uh, it was, uh, I, I learned how to kite checks. I was, I was good, Brandon. And then I went bankrupt, you know? Uh, and I understand the stress that that can cause. And I didn't get to the point where I was killing people, but I get it. You know, I, I, I think once you kind of start down that road, it becomes easier and easier to go further and further I to that end. I think it's easier to blame God into your love of money. Look at the, hey, that's a good point. Gospel, hey, yeah, man, yeah. we just, in the American culture, prosperity gospel doesn't work in a lot of countries. Sure. But here, we associate people who make it financially as being blessed by God. It, I know that sounds, but people who are poor must not be living as good for God as the people mm -hmm. who are rich. This because here, here's the one thing I go from this passage of scripture in verse 3 and th this is a very important part of this Peter said Ananias why has Satan filled your heart that's where I that's where I kind of base my are we talking more <clears throat> this is really a corrupt couple because the last time this was mentioned was for our friend Judas yeah. pretty much the same thing was said about Judas and you know, and the other thing, and Peter's a good experience because Jesus said, basically, Satan's at the door for you, Peter. Like, the next step was this. Mm -hmm. And Peter, and of course, it was stopped. But this is pretty much the same phrase that was put towards Judas. Satan's filled your heart. Right. Because the scripture says, Satan entered Judas. So I'm wondering if that's where I kind of go from the argument from Silas, that maybe there's a lot more going on with this couple than just this. Than just this. Yeah. this is just one of these couples. And then Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. I mean, you know, so. To kind of back up what he was saying over here about prosperity. Did I say that right? Did I quote that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of scripture that tells us that, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So, I mean, we see very clearly in the word that God doesn't want us to be materialistic. You know what I mean? He wants us to acknowledge him, that he's the creator of all things, that all things come from him. You know, and so we want to make sure that our heart stays in the right place. In our life. So yep. And this may be a wrong way to look at it, but I think God allows some people to be rich because maybe they can handle it. And God allows some people just not to be rich because he knows that they couldn't handle it if they were rich. It would, it would. Yeah. God, yeah. Like he said, God. I think right? I'd like to try a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice, huh? I'm pretty sure I could handle it well. Are you sure, Kevin? I'm pretty sure. Are you sure? Well, that's why I refuse to, you know, faith keeps wanting me to get a new car, but I want to hold on to my mustache because it's old. Yeah, that's the reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah. No, no, it's all, I, I want an old car to keep myself humble. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Horse train later, Julie. Look, tithing, going back to tithing, um, it's, it's about obedience. Yeah. You know, and if you're obedient in your finances and your stuff, then you'll be more prone to be obedient into the more important things. God, you know, yeah. talk about cash to God. I don't know if this means anything to anybody, but 
when you're talking about tithing, my, my parents were pastors my whole life, and we always had, it was always dependent upon tithing, never a salary. And we never knew what we were gonna get from week to week, and there were many hard times, and many, you know, my mom would save up for something and then she would have to use that for the electric bill or whatever. And when I graduated high school, I literally went to college because I wanted to get a salary so that I would pay tithes to my parents regularly without fail. And even though I'm married and that husband passed away and I married again to Kevin, I continued to pay tithes to my parents for years. Um, and I, I, I finally- And suddenly I did too. Now, I was about depending on God. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just, I'm just doing that to stress the importance of, you know, people sometimes pay tithes, sometimes they don't, sometimes they do. They don't recognize the importance. God asks you to pay tithes for a reason, to keep his word going and to keep his profit going. So uh, it's, it's not just a matter of whether you want to or not. And the main, the main, I mean, like you were saying, the main reason why we pay our tithes is for the glory of the kingdom, to share his word. So even if there's people out there that are kind of struggling financially and they're not able to pay into tithes or whatever, just doing their job for the kingdom and sharing the gospel with one another and loving and encouraging one another is what our Lord wants in our hearts. You know, so that's what I have. I believe also that, um, yeah, I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been important. <laughs> oh. Hey, when I was playing my church, I didn't get my salary until my wife paid her tithe. We were talking about tithing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> She's, I said, are you paying, you being obedient to tithe? Because I need my paycheck. <laughs> so my wife paid tithe and I got paid. I think it goes, goes along with tithing is this statement. It's what I grew up knowing. Your needs are all met if you're faithful in paying your tithes. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Agreed. other things. No. But Agreed your needs. Whatever you have need of. And there's, there's lessons to be learned in tithing. When I was pastoring, I learned, and this was not my original idea. This was something I learned from another pastor who taught this to me. I'd have people come to me and say, Pastor, I cannot pay my tithe this month. I just, emergency bill, car broke down. I, I want to be obedient to God. And I, I always had to deal with my, my people in my congregation. Write me a check, and I'm going to lock it in my drawer. I am not going to touch it until you come back and tell me. So you're acting out in faith, but I'm not going to put it in the bank yet. Yeah. And I'm just, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. I just, like I said, I'd say if it takes a month, it takes two months, three months, whatever. All my records of good, from my memory, as good as it is, I don't think I went ever longer than two weeks before they came back and said we had an extra blessing or something. Yeah, yeah. It was about the act of obedience. And I think their act of writing the check out and me saying, I promise I'm going to put it in the bank, I'm lock, I don't even look at it. I think it was their act of obedience that God went, that's what I'm trying to teach about tithing. And or you as a pastor as well. So a good way to respond. That was terrific. What Kevin did. Or listen, let me be in agreement with you in prayer, you know, and pray with the person regarding needs being met. I prayed for you. No, I just had that. I knew you did. I knew you did. And that was and, and here's the thing, because we needed that, because that was a ch my church plan. And we're starting with nothing from scratch. And I really needed that check. I, I don't mind to sound money, honey, for docking me. Electric bills and stuff like that. So it is, it is, a, tithing is an act of faith, is an act of encouragement and things like that. And I think, and I, I always like them coming back to, they'd be, always be excited. Because that's what tithes should do, is excite you for God. Yeah. Because they go, Pastor, I got an extra bonus I didn't expect. Put that check in the bank. And I said, see? Well, and it goes beyond that, too, because we had a storefront church that we were starting. And let me tell you, it was everything we could do to meet the bills every month, okay? But they always, the bills were always met. And the reason the pastor said that it was working is because these big old churches around us would send people to us for help. 
and our pastor would always help them. Either they get stranded at the bus station, we get them downtown Dallas to a bus station, get them food, whatever, you know. And our needs of that church were, were always made. I mean, it's like the money's not here to pay the bills, but then all of a sudden the money's there to pay the bills. And he said it was because we were doing what God wanted in helping the people, which is what the church was supposed to do. I survived that year. I ate everything. I had nothing to eat. But I know what Peyton's talking about. When you're starting a church from the ground up, it's... <laughs> okay. Um, so far, we've got this growing congregation that's gathering inside the temple with all of the apostles, there are 12 of them, all speaking in an anointed fashion in the power of the Holy Spirit, and it is growing rapidly. And now we've had two liars come before Peter and get stricken down dead. But there weren't no more that showed up. It seems like that would be detrimental to the growth of the church. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a little scary. They were. Uh, um, um, this is a very, you know, restrictive, demanding uh, faith that they have here. It's not the least bit liberal and accommodating to the culture around them. Hint, hint, hint. Uh, and shouldn't they be shrinking now? Shouldn't people be leaving because, you know, if you go there, you get struck down dead if you say something wrong? You would think so, but <clears throat> no. The, the Holy Spirit is pouring out upon these men and, and they're speaking to the crowds and the crowds continue to grow. And uh, some estimates show that, uh, or state, and I don't know where these numbers come from, that, would, that the church would reached about 10,000 people by the end of this chapter. The reason why it kept growing is because of the miracles that the apostles were performing. That is true. And they're healing, they're, 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 they're healing yeah. people regularly, yes. At first there was a minus because it says some chose not to associate with them. It was weeding out the people whose hearts were not sincere in it. Right. But then it grew because... You lose. Sometimes there's addition by subtraction. Yeah. And you also, and I guess just to go, I mean, seeing that they were struck dead, I mean, when you look at the Old Testament, that's what was part of God's law. See, the Bible says we're under grace now, which is grace means, and I think I got it written down somewhere, I'm not going to look for it right now, but it, it means we're no longer under the guardian of the law. And what is the guardian of the law? Or it'll say schoolmaster in King James, which is the Pharisees and Sadducees. When someone broke the law, they were committed and adultery or whatever it is they're bound before them like judges and they were stoned to death right there on the spot you know that's how strict God is with his word so verse 12 the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade which we visited last week it's this uh, it's the back of Herod's temple complex it's about an acre of area, much of it covered in the Roman, you know, way. And, um, and you can fit 10,000 people back in the corner of the temple. This is a big area. So it's not actually inside the temple proper. It's, it's a building just outside the, outside the temple. No, but, but it's still under the control of the Sanhedrin. And so it, it's, it's, it's their campus. Uh, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's Cup. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. What does that mean? And the rest cursed no man joined himself to them, but the people magnified them. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought sick to the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. So there was a huge amount of healing going on here, which got everybody's attention, and it grew rapidly. I think verse 13 is what Clayton was saying. There was a cleansing out 
while there was a bringing in of the people that had true hearts. I think that's what thir verse 13 is trying to say. As a pastor, and I know maybe Judy can, and Jim can say, sometimes in a nice way, the loss of somebody in your church leaving is the greatest thing that happens to your church. <laughs> <laughs> I, when you lose the church gossip, when you lose the church troublemaker, when you lose the church person false doctrine, sometimes the best thing is when someone leaves and then you see some exciting That's things. That's the second time you made that point. I assume there's a story in there somewhere. I got two <laughs> stories, man, my brother. But Jim will back. Jim will I love Jim. Jim. Jim and I are brothers. He's my baby brother. Of course he is. <laughs> Older brother. Older brother. Older brother. Older brother. Um, I've lost a lot of people. I remember at Monica Park Assembly of God Church, the, uh, the, the pastor ran off with the secretary. Just, just toss that in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh, yeah. well, that, that, that now by two, you know. <laughs> All the churches can be blessed if they lost a few more people. If they do what? Say again? Lost. Oh wow! You guys are hard. Do you think a church? Can, do you think a church can well, ever get too large? Yes. Yeah, I'm just asking an honest question. It can. I, I leave that between God and that church. I think some churches uh, manage growth well. I'll give you that much. I'm just you know, curious. But well, I'll t I've told this story before. Um, I grew up in Henderson, Texas, and my father was a Southern Baptist music minister. And Henderson, Texas, is dominated by the Southern Baptists. There's very little presence of other denominations there. They lock this town up. And uh, because there are five enormous Baptist churches in Henderson, and Henderson's only uh, 35,000 people, and so I asked Dad about that once. He says, well, you know, it starts off with uh, First Baptist, which is huge and in the middle of town, and they were the first there. And uh, when they want to grow, they buy more property next door to, to the point that they will drive the property values of the little widows owning their small houses down so that they can buy them, tear them down, and build another building there. Uh, and and becomes Second Baptist. And, and well, no, 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 no. There is a second Baptist. No. They're down the hill, and th that's a whole different story. Okay. They're a congregationalist thing. Yeah, anyway. Um, so, uh, what happens because this church just wants to grow in and of itself in that place, uh, God, according to Dwayne Evans, is going to, uh, you know, if we're not going to expand and, and, and send out the word on our own, God's going to make it happen his own way. And so what he did, he starts a fight between the number one and the number two ministers because they had multiple ordained ministers in this church. And, and, and the number two minister gets mad. And so he moves to the other side of church with all of his followers, which might be 3,000 you know, people. And they go form, they, they form Southside Baptist Church. Southside Baptist Church was a split off of First Baptist. And then 10 years later, Eastside Baptist Church was a split off of First Baptist. And then 10 years later, Trinity Baptist Church was a split off of First Baptist. Every Baptist church there was due to a church fight. Yeah. And as a result, Henderson was thoroughly evangelized. You know, I mean, you've got, a, and so uh, I think God's work got done, but if we don't, if we don't aggressively use cells and evangelize and send people out if the point is just for us to get bigger where we are it's ultimately going to collapse in on itself well isn't that what why basically what happened here in the acts of apostles they didn't do what jesus said go into all the world so once the persecution got so bad then they finally spread out and started doing what jesus you can said. make that argument my father would um, but then at the same time, I know of enormous churches that just seem to just get more enormous. There's yeah. a church in South Korea that's like that. Well, it's like Chinese church. Yeah. And then you got the Osteen. It's the largest Protestant church in the world. Well, that's why I used it as an example. And actually, you know, I had a list of the top 
the biggest churches in the world. You know, like ten of the top biggest churches in the world are in Seoul, Korea. Or what? Seoul. Yeah. Seoul. Yeah. Seoul, Korea. I guess they like big churches there. Yeah. Well, maybe it's cultural. About the big versus small. And I see what everybody says, but here's the thing. I go back to what Paul said. You know, whether you like the concept of a big church or a small church, Paul said this. I don't care what the thing is about the ministry as long as Christ's name is being proclaimed. Yeah. And some big, I, I, I'm dealing with this big church from the, uh, one of the ministers of this really, really, really good church called me this week. I'm forming an association with them for counseling and such. They do ministries in this church that I don't think a small church can do. Yeah. So, you know, let's be careful about throwing out the baby with the bathwater here. <laughs> so, some, some churches are big and do wonderful things. They are able to do things that we in smaller churches cannot do. Serves purpose. Yeah. Here's the thing. As long as even – and Paul said those preachers out there that are doing it for selfish reasons, so be it. That's between them and God. But as long as the name of Christ is being proclaimed, even yep. from these guys, I will praise the Lord for that. And so, I say so be it. Just like a, mega church, a mega church is not necessarily a prosperity church, but mostly a prosperity church will be a mega church. Some churches grow just because of the move of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's like Lake Point Baptist. They – They've got churches now all over the United States and in Mexico and overseas because they they take what they grow and they, they send out. They've even got a minister school now. There you go. And they're growing ministers, and then they're establishing churches all over the United States in areas where normally there's not. It's like in Mississippi, the Methodists basically control Mississippi as far as churches because almost all your churches in Mississippi are Methodist. I don't know why that is, but Methodist. Like yeah. So yeah. I'm not a for or against larger churches or smaller churches or whatever, but what what saddens me is when I can come into a town and there's a church literally on every block, and it saddens me because it speaks to the division in the community sometimes. That's a point. And, and maybe it's not that, that way in every case, but but I will say that sometimes people are looking for the right church for themselves, and so they'll, they're going to go church shopping, if you will, and they're, they're looking for that perfect place to belong with, quote-unquote, perfect people where there's not going to be any problems. And that's a heart issue. That's not – and it, it's, it's always a heart issue, like in our own individual lives, in our relationship with the Lord. And I think it's – it's heartbreaking when you can't have relationships with people across denominations because you're more focused on being right than you are being right with the Lord. Like, That's exactly. You know, and helping one another to grow. And, and I'm in the middle of what I believe to be an incredibly complicated or what feels like a complicated relationship with someone who is of a different denomination. And what breaks my heart is I feel like when we come together and we talk, she's more concerned about being right. And, and me understanding why she's right. right. And I'm having a such a hard time with this relationship. But I feel like there's something that God wants to show me and teach me through it. And it's like, why can't there be unity? Like, why can't we find a common? Right. The common is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the common. Like, let's stop being so concerned with being right. And, and what does the Lord have to say about it? And when I see so many churches, sometimes it may not be because there's a split, but a lot of times it is. And they're, you know, I don't like the music over here, so let me go over here to this old, you know, small old church where I feel like God is more present because of the music. And so... Yeah, and sometimes you get so stuck, though, in tradition. Yeah. Sometimes it's more about your tradition and what makes you feel comfortable and what makes you feel... And, and you, you're closed off to maybe what God wants to do or what God wants to show you because all you can see and feel and hear is what is more comfortable for you. Yeah. Like, don't you think that God can move in every... I think it comes to you know, what, what is at the heart of your service for church. Faith and I drive a very long distance to come to this church. We pass by, I jokingly said, Kevin, if you remember at one Sunday school thing, I came in late and said, well, nice place for coming in late. And I said, well, there's about 15, 20 churches I pass by to be on time. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I brought some water. Well, let it. You said keep on coming here. Yeah, I, I come here because between our house and here, there's only one Pentecostal church. And I. And they're weird, so you don't yeah, like them. No, they're not you weird. weird. <laughs> it is just, uh, but, but what I'm saying is. But, but we, we come here because we. And, and, and I have associations with a lot of the churches in the Blue Ridge. I have a lot of. And I love them, and they're going to heaven. But, and I, I minister in those churches, actually. But they're not Pentecostal. I'm a Pentecostal. And so Faith and I choose to come to Crossroads because this is a Pentecostal church. Well, you, you know, I enjoy listening to Josh at, at Lake Point Baptist Church, and he's Baptist, but I, I enjoy his messages. Yeah, I see. I think the reason why there is a lot of division between churches and why we see what we see today is because of how people interpret the scriptures. You know what I mean? The Bible says very clearly that we're not going to understand the scripture if we're living in sin. We know in Romans chapter 8, we are to put to death the sinful nature. We are to go through the sanctification process and renewing of our mind, and that's to live by the Spirit and according to God's ways and walk in His image. You know what I mean? So okay. we see we see people that that read a verse and another people that read that same verse and they interpret it differently, and then they don't agree upon it. And so this is where we see the division. And then when in the division, Satan is really controlling people with pride and, and other things of this nature to keep that division, you know, strong. And so it is. It is wise as a believer, like when you have a friend that's part of a different denomination, and, and it shouldn't matter what denomination you're a part of, you know, that, you know, when you're discussing a good book and you show them this is what scripture says, if they choose not to believe it and rely on their own understanding of such scripture, all you can do is say, okay, and just step back, you know, and, and continue to love them unconditionally. It's in that love. Okay, know? in it's chapter, in I'm, I'm sorry, in verse 16, I'm, I don't mean to cut you off, Joe. Uh, we have a, a point where the church is growing and it's expanding and uh, more people are coming into it and the Holy Spirit is blessing their actions. And, uh, and, 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 and in Luke in 17, we have another story where the empire strikes back, basically. And the, <laughs> and the, and the, Sadducee, the, the Sanhedrin is going to move in and stop all this nonsense. And we are going to pick that up next week because we are we are five minutes over time at this point. So, and so goodbye, internet. <laughs>